Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 this is the pro america report on the answer san diego welcome 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 it's ed martin here on the pro america report it's uh <laughs> i have to smile and laugh as i think about what i'm about to tell you uh you know it is um it is uh important uh, to listen and think and uh, listen to and read uh, people who are smart and have uh, 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 thoughtful ways of thinking about things. And Phyllis Schlafly, my old boss, is one of those people. She's an extraordinary writer. And if you go to uh, phyllisschlafly.com, you can see an extraordinary archive uh, of her writings. Just uh, if you if you read, she wrote a, a weekly column for almost 50 years. She wrote a monthly column for over 50 years, a monthly newsletter, the Phyllis Schlafly Report. And I still remember uh, uh, my friend um, Jordan Henry, who uh, worked with us for a number of years, he had a project uh, to go back and read every uh, Phyllis Schlafly Report um, year by year over the course of uh, weeks and months um, coming forward from 1967 all the way to today. And when it was done, he would do a summary of each one. We were celebrating the uh, Phyllis Schlafly Report. When it was done, he had had this extraordinary education. I mean, just extraordinary. And he admitted that. He talked about it. It was just amazing to have read her stuff over and over again. Well, so it's important to read smart people who can see down the field and can give you ways to understand what's happening. That is what uh, John and Andy Schlafly do. And I mentioned before that when I was with Donald Trump, uh, we reminisced about his time with Phyllis Schlafly. And then uh, we talked about, he mentioned that he had just read one of Andy and John Schlafly's columns. I mean, what better, uh, what better, um, uh, uh, recommendation than that? And, and especially because, um, Trump said, uh, it was good read, good read. And so here's why I laugh about that is one of the more sort of outrageous and funny and wild characters in American life is Ann Coulter. Ann Coulter. Ann Coulter is extraordinary. And now she publishes, she used to write a weekly column. And it published all over as a syndicated column. Now she writes over at Substack, uh, Substack.com. And, but she, she sends out an email and it's, it's about once a week, I guess. Well, this week's email was called Expel Them Again. And the subtitle was Dems Cry Racism. You say, show us the video. And she goes through a series of examples. And so the context for this one is, that the two Democrats in the Tennessee House of Representatives who last week acted like real jerks, really unpleasant, nasty, unbecoming behavior, and they were expelled from the chamber. And now now they are being made to sound like heroes, that they are somehow civil rights heroes and people that have done something incredible. And <laughs> what Ann Coulter says is, you know, when they say you are, when they say, oh, no, look at you, you're being racist, racism, then say, play the video, show the video. And if you watch the video of these two Democrats, they, they're just, it's terrible. They deserve to be expelled. And then she goes through examples and she basically says every time 
they say that you're being racist, just say, play the video. And there always exists. The video always exists. There was the Princeton professor who said she was uh, the racist policeman, had pulled her over in 2016, and she went on and on and on about that. Well, they played the video, the dash cam video. It showed that the officer was totally polite. In fact, uh, as, as Coulter says, comically polite. Same thing in 2015. Same thing with one of the Hillary's things. And the point here is, nowadays, they can't hide behind the, oh, this is what happened, and lie about it. So flash forward to uh, the um, uh, Elon Musk went on what what's called Twitter Spaces, which is a place to go on Twitter and have these sort of group conversations. He also videotaped an interview with a BBC reporter. And so when the BBC reporter was done being destroyed by Elon Musk, there was nowhere to hide. They could, he couldn't, the reporter couldn't then say, oh, you know, it went like this or whatever, because Musk had all, not just the description, not just witnesses, but the actual audio tape as well as videotape. And the most compelling part of that, it was hysterical to listen to. I didn't hear it live. I heard it after the fact was when the BBC reporter said, you know, there's a lot more racist stuff on uh, Twitter. And, and Elon Musk said, give me an example. And the guy said, well, I'm not sure, you know, just people are saying that. And he said, well, give me one example. And the guy couldn't give an example, and he said, well, then you're just lying. You're just saying things that you want to believe, and you're not even checking them. And the guy was destroyed. It was amazing. But I, I think that's right. In this day and age, you no longer have to believe when someone says X happened. You say, let's see the video. Now, what's coming next, of course, is doctored videos. And that's what you see the left do. They 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 take videos out of context. <clears throat> but I am reminded also... When I was a candidate for office, someone told me, never do an interview where you don't tape it yourself, because otherwise they'll lie about you and you won't be able to be saying, that's not what I said. And they'll say, yeah, that's what I took down. And they'll never share their, their their recording if they took one. So it's an interesting time. But back to my point, if you get a chance, read and sign up for Ann Coulter's Substack. She's an exceptional writer. Um, she's an exceptional writer and she's someone who is thinking down the field, uh, pretty far in advance. She's pretty good at looking further out. Now, I don't agree with her. She's still mad at Trump over stuff, but she's really thoughtful. So you can go to Ann Coulter. Her substack, uh, is Ann Coulter's substack. It's uh, called unsafe. Um, and you can, uh, you can sign up there. I don't think that her, uh, substack requires that you pay for it it's a, a at least part of it is distributed free of charge so it's uh, ancoulter.substack.com uh and uh, this one in particular is a really good one so there you have it all right that's what you need to know and speaking of that coming back we're going to talk with bill donahue uh the guy who heads up the catholic league who's been a fighter uh and standing up and fighting back often and then karen garnett will get an update on the national prayer luncheon for life the national prayer luncheon for life uh which is coming up in just a few days it's i think next week and they've got a contest that they're running online, so you want to check that out. All right, we will uh, take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great privilege for me uh, personally to welcome our next guest, an author, an author many times over, uh, but in this case, uh, a book that's out called The War, uh, excuse me, The War on Virtue. Uh, and um, it is uh, a pleasure because uh, Bill Donahue, who has uh, been the president CEO of the Catholic League for Religious and Civil Rights for a long time in my life, was always somebody who, when most people were stepping back, 
he was stepping towards the fights and then making sure to weigh in. And so he's been given a gazillion awards. He's been at this for decades. Um, and as I mentioned, he's written, uh, I think, it's, I think it's over this t- almost 10 books, but I, I bet you he's written thousands and thousands of articles, uh, over his time. So welcome, Mr. Donahue. How are you, sir? Thank you so much for having me. I'd- well, so the first thing is uh, one more book, The War on Virtue. When I when I read this book, I thought of my grandmother. You'll appreciate this, Bill, because uh, I know you'll know the type. And she, when I got to the, la- the I think second to last chapter, and it was called Rewarding Incivility. It seemed to me, I thought of my grandmother, my late grandmother, that, you know, most of the things that were really nasty, unpleasant stuff our society has stopped penalizing. You don't even get you don't even get disrespected for having a, uh, some of this stuff. And so I guess the war on, uh, on virtue, you're describing it is are we beyond hope? Well, as a Christian, I don't believe we're ever beyond hope. But I know one thing, passivity will, will, uh, will, will allow us to lose. It's funny you mentioned this, Ed. Uh, I was raised partly by my grandparents from Ireland. And my grandmother used to say, there's no law in this country. And that by that, she meant that too many criminals are running free. It's nothing like it is today. I live in New York City. And just here last week in New York, a stepfather choked to death his 15-year-old stepson, and he walked out of the court free as, as could be. I mean, yeah. in other words, even murder has now effectively become legal in New York City. It's absolutely astounding, the breakdown in the social order. I see it every day in the trains in New York, walking the streets. I'm in the Penn Station area, which is probably the most uh, crime-infested area in all of New York City, uh, with with homeless, with migrants, with drug drug users, the violence and everything else here. There are people who are afraid to to go to the station without an escort. Uh, This is all because Bill de Blasio, the former mayor, told the cops to stand down and don't do your job and let the criminals run free. That's exactly what's happening. Uh, again, we're talking w- with uh, Bill Donahue, and uh, we're referring to his book. I think it's the second to last chapter. Bill Donahue, of course, is a longtime uh, head of the Catholic League for Religious and Civil Rights, and uh, and his uh, book is called War on Virtue. I'll put up on social media. It's funny. I was I didn't want to ask this question first because I thought I want to ask about the book, but you, but in the conclusion of the book, you refer to and you, again, you know, Bill Donahue's known for a lot of things. But one thing is he's a New Yorker. You can hear it in his voice. But in the book, you reference going to work in Manhattan and the riots of, of 2020. And I wanted to ask you again, I mean, at what point have we lost the cities? I mean, it's incredible to me that you're hanging in there, but most people that are, that are, <laughs> that are saying, no, maybe not, but that are not as tough as you are, are saying, we just got to get the heck out of the cities. Well, that's true. I know a lot of people in Long Island where I live, as well as people in the outer boroughs and in New Jersey, uh, Connecticut, they're not coming into the city. Right. Uh, couples would come in and they go to a Broadway play, go to dinner and whatnot. Uh, people who are coming in, usually in the middle part of the week, are leaving immediately. The bars and restaurants are closing in New York because there's not enough people going going there. But look, the reason I wrote The War on Virtue is to basically say, Ed, that unless you exercise personal responsibility, right. self-discipline, and perseverance, You're not going to succeed in our society. And the ruling class should be encouraging what I call the vital virtues. Instead, they're discouraging them. Indeed, they're undermining them. No group of Americans are suffering more than African-Americans 
And it's not the white supremacist, crazy right wing guy they need to worry about. They need to worry about the people who claim to be their friends, the white working, the white ruling class, the elites in our society who are quick to write checks and reparations and quotas and equity policies. In other words, but they've basically given up on black people. They are the, the ruling class in this country are the ultimate racist because everybody else is able to succeed and so can blacks. I work with blacks for a long time in my life. They can succeed like anybody else. But the white ruling class, they won't come right out and say it, but they've given up on black people. We should encourage virtue, not destroy virtue. Uh, we're talking again with Bill Donahue, and and as always, uh, uh, Bill, I've, I can't uh, say how much I appreciate the fact that you put voice to what I think a lot of people are thinking. Uh, you mentioned this again. I, we're we're on a roll here in the book, uh, and uh, I've got the chapter and, and why virtue matters. The first subheading is the vital virtues, and I was telling my sons this this se- sentence here. In short, success is not a function of luck. It's the result of self-discipline, personal responsibility, and perseverance. You call those the vital virtues. My point to my my sons in this case was you will you will find luck all over the place if you have self-discipline, personal responsibility, and perseverance. If you do those things, you'll find it. Now, so here's my question, Bill. Again, you've got decades of experience. The American dream, Irish kids like you and my father and others, that they were supposed to not get out. They were stuck. They didn't have the opportunity to go to Harvard. They didn't have the opportunity. They instead went to, my dad went to uh, St. Peter's College or Fordham or wherever because of Jesuits mostly. You, you got out, but you put your head down and worked and transformed the country. But that That's American, right. that, that America, but that American dream is, is in some ways is smothered by welfare it's smothered by terrible schools but that give you free lunch and after school because parents are strung out from work if they're working and and so we're we're sort of smothering the american dream instead of letting it rip that's right and for the most part the problem is not the parents they're true they're still trying to inculcate or instill vital virtues in their kids but they're run up against the elites who are teaching that if you teach proper spelling or mathematics in the classroom. That's an example of white supremacy. They're, right. the, let, they're the ones letting the letting the, uh, the criminals go scot-free. They're the ones who are breaking up the family. They're the ones encouraging dependency. Uh, so it's the elites that are the problem, and they're in all quarters of our society today. It used to be just in education, the arts, edu- in the uh, entertainment field, and the media. Now it's all over. The, the corporations have now actually taken the side of the left, and they're working against the best interests of the average American. Uh, Bill Donnie, who's our guest again, his book is War on, War on Virtue, How the Ruling Class is Killing the American Dream, Sophia Institute Press. I'll put it up on, on social media. Um, if it's true, Bill, that the elites, that the, no, that the ruling class that the, are, is stifling the American dream, and I agree with you, um, the, the question, the, the, the wonder I have is how do you break out of it? I mean, it, you, you, and I know the book, you talk about some of this and you, as you mentioned, it's not parents still want to get their kids, even if they're single parents, they want their kids to succeed. There's nobody that's sitting around saying, I want my kid to be a loser. The system, the system is smothering us. But if you, you used to be, you could be in the parish 
or you could be in the synagogue and the community would pick you up. It used to be you could move to Long Island, you mentioned, and you'd have a community around you, whether it's, you know, Kilmeade talking about the, the, the way his family was out on Long Island or, or, uh, what is the author of that tender bar uh, book about? There was a community of, uh, of people that lifted you up. Now, you, you, I guess you segregate. I mean, people go to a red state or a blue state, but it doesn't, it's not working the same way. And in a way, you, you, it doesn't seem like you can get that support the same way that you could when there was, frankly, these ethnic enclaves. Well, it's, you know, it, that's a very good sociological analysis, Ed, but I can tell you that, that there are some encouraging signs. Remember uh, what came out of the pandemic, that awful COVID 19, was yeah. something good. Parents, particularly mothers, found out what was going on in the classroom, yeah, yeah. and now they're taking over the school boards. Right. The left tried to say there's, oh, there's no such thing as Latino male or Latina female. There's Latinx because they want to neuter you. That didn't work out because right. Hispanics said we don't want it. Now we have people pushing back against Bud Light for featuring transgenders. The, the, the first most prominent transgender psychologist in America Erica Anderson said, I used to encourage this. I'm, I've had it. I'm, I'm out. It's mm-hmm. gone too far. So there are some signs we can push back. It, it, the people in Europe were the first to go down this road of saying a man can become a woman, a woman can become a man. That's all madness, of course. That's all right. madness. Right. Uh, but they are now pairing back. We are trailing them in the United States. But what I'm saying is that the rank and file, the average American has to push back. We have to be disobedient when necessary. We need to absolutely sabotage the culture that the dominant culture is, is providing. The elites don't represent us. They represent a tiny minority. They're almost all well-educated white people. And, you know, it's interesting. If this, just take the thing about become a woman and vice versa. I've looked at the survey data on this. Blacks don't believe it. Hispanics don't believe it. They don't believe it in Africa and Latin America, in Asia, right. in the Middle East. They don't believe right. it in Russia. So who believes it? in this country, the well-educated white people and, of course, North America and Europe and New Zealand and, and Australia? Yeah. They've been corrupted by higher education. Instead of in, in, in giving them the kind of knowledge and wisdom, you know, they've, they've been brainwashed. They've been indoctrinated. And they think we, the average decent American, are the ones who have been brainwashed. No, folks, it's the other way around. Don't be don't be gaslighted by these people. Trust your gut. Hmm. Uh, Bill Donahue, again, is our guest, of course, uh, very well known for being the president and CEO of the Catholic League for Religious and Civil Rights uh, out there fighting so often when there's something uh, hot. He stepped towards it. His new book is War on Virtue, How the Ruling Class is Killing the American Dream. Sophia Institute Press, I will put it up there. In fact, I'm looking at the table of contests because I, uh, there's seven or eight chapters. Some of them are great. Promoting racism, talking about how the, where the real racism is, racism is, devaluing the family, giving up on the poor, sabotaging education, and as I mentioned earlier, rewarding incivility. Um, Bill, I want to ask you one final sort of line of questions and let you go on it, if you, if you will. It, 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 and it's this. You, you for, for decades, you have been willing to go on any media and speak the truth as you see it. You have never, I've never seen you be afraid. I don't know, you know, the late Phyllis Schlafly, my boss, she used to say, she'd always say a prayer before she went on. She'd say, you know, from the, from the, um, uh, the, is it the, the, um, uh, Anima Christi, you know, from the wicked foe, from the malignant enemy, defend me. So you probably have something like that that you, you Saint Michael the Archangel protects you or something, but you've never been afraid of that. 
But but I have to ask you, in the environment where people that do an inappropriate meme are getting a, a facing jail time or people that do nonviolent, you know, trespass, uh, say, January 6th, are facing decades in prison. It, it suddenly looks like some of the uh, unpopular opinions, they're raising the cost. You, you, you probably got mistreated by some of the ruling elite if they saw you at the country club, although I don't even know if you went to country clubs. But, you know, I don't know if you feared that they would sue you into oblivion. Maybe it did or or even put you in jail. But it feels like that's where it's headed. Well, I've been sued. I've, I've been called every name in the book. And it was thrown out of court, of course. It was, right. it was, a, it was a false, uh, bogus case against me. If I had to get bodyguards. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of people say I am fearless. Other people simply say I'm just crazy. Uh, look, I'm not, I, I got one life to live. And I don't have to lie for a living. Uh, we're motivated and we're called as Catholics to tell the truth. And that's the one thing that is under attack in this country more than anything else. The postmodernists did it. In, in Germany and in, in, and in the United States, the idea that there's no such thing as truth. Well, yes, there is, people. There is such a thing as truth. And by the way, one person in history whom everybody knows of who said there was no such thing as truth, who, who agrees with the left-wingers, or they agree with him, his name was Adolf Hitler. I think we know what happened after that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's uh, I, I can't uh, thank you enough uh, for uh, again for coming on with me, but also for all those times you've been out there. We appreciate it very much. And uh, we'll make sure to to put the book up wherever we can. Again, the book is War on Virtue, How the Ruling Class is Killing the American Dream. Bill Donahue from Sophia Institute uh, Press. Thanks for your time, sir. Thank you so much. All right. We'll take a break and we'll uh, be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Don't forget, I will put up on uh, social media and everywhere else all the links to that. And also to uh, uh, Bill Donahue's website, uh, his work at the Catholic League. Uh, extraordinary stuff. We'll take a break and be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. It's been a while, actually. I was thinking about it, Karen, as uh, we, Karen Garnett is our next guest. She's the president of the National Prayer Luncheon for Life. Of course, I saw you, Karen, a few months ago in Washington, D.C., came out for the March for Life. We've talked a couple other times, but it's amazing how fast time flies. Uh, we're up again uh, in just a few weeks. We'll have the National Prayer Luncheon for Life in uh, Dallas, Texas. Such a unique thing, Karen, such a unique idea, and it's not new anymore. It's unique because it's been, I don't know, remind me how many years it's been already, but tell us, walk us through what the National Prayer Luncheon for Life uh, and what that's meant and where we are as of today. Yes. Thank you so much, Ed. Thank you for having me back. This is actually my third time to be on with you about <laughs> National Prayer Luncheon for Life. Right, and it, yeah, it began uh, back in 2021 as a new vision by our CEO at Heroic Media. Heroic Media is the parent company for National Prayer Luncheon for Life. And Brett Atterbury it used to be a counter fundraising luncheon, counter prayer and fundraising luncheon against Planned Parenthood, their local in Dallas, Texas, their local annual awards luncheon. And five days before the pandemic in 2020, we <laughs> both outnumbered and outraised them. We had 3,000 people in person at ours and raised $1.8 million, and they had wow. 1,000 people at theirs, and they raised $1.1. But then the pandemic was announced five days later. The world changed. So much went virtual. And Brett was elevated to CEO at, at uh, November 1 of 2020, and the Holy Spirit gave him a whole new vision. And he said, you know what? This is really, really meant to be an hour of prayer 
And let's turn outward. Let's not make it a fundraiser about ourselves and our mission, but let's let's present a an annual pro-life impact award and distribute pro-life impact grants to amazing high impact pro-life organizations. So that that began in 2021. The first year we we gave three grants totaling $85,000. And then last year, we upgraded it to six grants totaling $100,000. Wow. And yeah, it's so like everybody can participate. That's something we love about this. This is for the entire pro-life community across the country and internationally. We already have votes in from 28 countries outside of the U.S. for this year's. And it's actually next week, Ed. It's next yeah. Friday, April the 21st is the day, 12 to 1 Central Time. We call it the Hour of Power Prayer and Celebration Event and Pro-Life Impact Awards Ceremony. So uh, yeah, I can tell you about how the you know the nominations process and how who who are the six organizations on the ballot this year. And first, I want to ask you a a broad question because, you know, your role both as a communicator and in this case as the president of the National Prayer Luncheon for Life. By the way, um, I'm sorry, Karen, but remind me, what's the best website to go to right now to look at it, to find out more and to vote? Yes, it is. Everything is on nationalprayerluncheonforlife.org. We've got the, the six nominees. We have their there are paragraphs about them. You read through them, pray about it, and then you push the button to cast your vote. You can only vote once, but it's thousands of, of thousands of people participate in voting and then joining us together virtually for this special hour. Okay, nationalprayerluncheonforlife.org. I'll, I'll make sure we say that a couple times, and I'll put it up on social media. So, Karen, before we get into the six, the six and six groups, six efforts that were nominated, but I want to ask you a broad question because, again, you're a communicator, you're a professional, you're pro-life, motivated by your great faith and belief. H- how do you feel after? I mean, this is the first luncheon after Dobbs and after Roe v. Wade's reversed, and you know we've talked about it on the show. You know, I've talked about it off the air. Um, it's kind of funny, right? I mean, it's like the dog that caught the car. I mean, we were we're kind of like, oh wait, and now we we're 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 in this period after we had a we sort of had a a, a target. If you wanted to say, you, you know, we had a boogeyman. It was Roe v. Wade. Well, it's gone now, and now we're I don't know building the culture of life. How how are you finding that, and how is it going, and and what do you think about where we are? Oh my goodness, Ed! So, I know we have we need about ten hours, but I mean, we'll just yeah. do it in like thirty seconds. But go ahead. Well, and I think you you <laughs> may have been you may have been alive when the road decision was handed down. Also, I I have a vivid memory of it as a ten year old. It was first handed down, and and um, thankfully for me, I, I've been in the, working in the movement thirty four years. But early in the nineties, I went to Mark Crutcher's life activist seminars. Oh and, yeah, yeah. Late that, Mark Crutcher, by the way, a terrible yes. tragedy. He passed yes. away just in the last couple of weeks. It's horrendous. Anyway, keep yeah. going. Yes, March March ninth, he did, and, wow. and God rest his his soul. But he he then he talked about you know struggles civil rights struggles and and social injustice struggles throughout the centuries throughout history and he basically made kind of what i consider a prophetic you know statement back then where he said you know what i will give roe 50 years mm, and wow. i remember thinking at that time we had just hit 20 years of of this horror in our country how mm-hmm. could it be even possible that this even wow. happens even today and i thought then i thought no lord no we have to do this for 30 more years but okay you know if that's what it takes so i never <laughs> oh, lost sight of that and i always believed that you know injustice does 
doesn't last forever. So we worked hard toward that. And I mean, I think everyone was getting discouraged until we started to see the changes on the court. Mm-hmm. And then it, it became reality a year ago. This is going to happen. Roe is going to fall before year 50. Praise be to God. So it's the first domino. It had to fall. It had to fall. But what did the court do? The court didn't give us everything we wanted. We wanted the court to overturn Roe. And because there is no right, there's no right in the Constitution for abortion. It does not exist. So why didn't the court say there is no constitutional right to abortion? Therefore, abortion is illegal and nullified across all 50 states. That's not what the court did. They sent it back to the states. And honestly, Ed, you've seen it. I've seen it. We, the battle, it's as if it's intensified. Right. And we've, we've started the second chapter and it's 50 intense battles in 50 states and mm-hmm. and and it's a spiritual war. I mean, this is spiritual and the other side is unleashed, you know, yeah. because that their their sacred cow which was Roe fell. So we <laughs> yep. we we soldier on undeterred. Well, and, and we're talking with Karen Garnett, by the way, again, it's nationalprayerluncheonforlife.org, nationalprayerluncheonforlife.org. It's uh, it's in a week or so, week, a little bit more in the week, but um, voting only goes until this Saturday. Let me get my my calendar out, the 13th, 14th, 15th, 15th. the 16th, 15th? 15th. Saturday oh, like night. Like a tax day, like a tax day. Yeah, Saturday job, night Karen. the 15th. Yes, <laughs> everyone has, you know, we, we encourage everybody to, you know, take the time during, as soon as you've listened, go to National Prayer Luncheon for Life, read and vote. But if you need to wait till the weekend, you have all day Saturday. <laughs> You're not like the IRS. You don't give until like the the 17th or all right. But Karen, give us a rundown on first of all, set up the con the, the sort of context, the contours of how you ended up with six, what the, who they are briefly, and yes. kind of what it means. I, I think it's important for people. It's kind of like your you you the vision, and again, uh, you know, you, as you mentioned, uh, your CEO vision of empowering uh, groups. So walk us through that and who the six are, real quickly. Yes, yes. So uh, well, you've you've had Brett Atterbury, my CEO, yep. on yep. your show. He is a metrics guy. He comes from the business world. He just wrote the book, Your Pro Life Bottom Line. Right, right. And right. he said, okay, we people are always looking for high impact metrics, measurable results, measure, measurable reach. And so what we do with this is we open up what we call nomination season in the fall because we want to hear about, including organizations we haven't heard of, local pro-life organizations who are making a major impact, who have metrics. And so nomination season happened. We got 120 organizations nominated at the at the national, state, and local level. We, like we do each year, we pray over those nominations and ask the Holy Spirit to guide us as to who will be on the ballot for this year. And uh, the $100,000 grants, all six, everybody's a winner. There's a 50 a 20,000, 15,000, and then three at 5,000. And it's all, again, based on voting. You, the pro-life community, get to make these decisions led by the Holy Spirit. Again, by midnight on April 15th, please cast your vote. So this year, the nominees, they're very diverse. And it's just awesome when you think about our movement and all the different facets, all the different strategies are needed. So I will list these in alphabetical order, just like they are on our website. The Abortion Survivors Network, which is led by Melissa Oden out of Kansas City, Missouri. Yep. She's been on the Unique. show. Amazing lady. Yeah, amazing yeah. lady. Right. It's, the, it's the only one of its kind that 
ministers to those who have survived abortions yep. in the womb. So they're they're the first one, Abortion Survivors Network. Number two, Equal Rights Institute, which is led by Josh Brom out of uh, North Carolina. Amazing international reach, pro-life apologetics organization. And I'm talking about changing minds and changing hearts on abortion. The third one is Good Counsel Homes, which is led by Chris Bell out of the New Jersey, New York area. And this is a, a beautiful, my goodness, the ministry. They have served over 8,000 homeless pregnant women and not only in their four homes, but they've helped open maternity homes, nine homes in eight additional states. And they offer a post-abortion healing program called Lumina because they found that over half of the mothers who come to them have experienced abortions. When you get healed from abortion, it breaks the cycle of repeat abortion and intergenerational abortions. Mm. Um, the next one is Human Life Alliance, which is led by Joe Langfeld out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yep. And goodness, I think anybody who's been in the movement any amount of time, this this organization has been serving for 46 years, mm -hmm. and they are the ones who first did the She's a Child, Not a Choice newspaper right. supplements in the early 90s. So they're, they again, they're an educational organization, mainly with print materials, but also digital, reaching, again, international reach, 88 countries, millions of people, especially high school students and college students. Then we have, this is the first time a locally, a locally nominated organization has been selected as a finalist. It's Natural Women's Health out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, which is led by Dr. Monique Ruberu. Mm -hmm. And it, oh my goodness, her story about conversion from typical type of, uh, you know, OBGYN training to completely 100% natural, holistic women's health care. And she also does abortion pill reversal. It's amazing the work that she's doing, having served over 2,000 patients. And then lastly, I know you know Bridget Van Yeah, Lee, of course. Everybody um, knows Bridget. CEO <laughs> and vision leader for Thrive Express Women's Healthcare. And Thrive is on the ballot. They are helping to, they are creating the first viable national counter brand to Planned Parenthood in 50 years. It's never been done. And they they were in the lead at what you all know as the Missouri miracle, driving yeah, yeah, Planned Parenthood yeah. out of Missouri 2019, three years before Roe fell. So that's it. Six, that's the six as quickly as I can go through them for you. The, the, and, uh, and, and to be clear, again, Karen Garnett is our guest. And, and, uh, Karen, to be clear, the, uh, the purpose is national prayer luncheon for life.org and go there and vote. And the votes count. If the people vote for something, if lots of people pay attention and go vote, that's what counts. Um, it, you, the goal here was to say, Hey, we're going to bring everybody together. We are going to fundraise. You're going to raise money to do this, but then you're going to distribute the funds. And so the uh, winners are going to get, um, uh, funds and get uh, they've applied with a, a vision for what they were going to do. So it's kind of um, you're participating not in raising money for something in the future. You're going to see it right there. And you can, by the way, you could be there if you get to Dallas on uh, on Friday. You can be there, but it's but you can also be online. Right. And honestly, Ed, it, the the hour itself is not a fundraiser. We do not solicit funds oh, during okay. the hour at all. It is a prayer hour and it's led by prayer leaders. This year, Catherine Hadro from EWTN is yeah. our MC and our and our prayer leaders are uh, we always have a bishop. So Bishop Greg Kelly from the Diocese of Dallas. Hmm. He's our Episcopal prayer leader. We have Aurora Tina Harrow, who is the national coordinator for Latinas por la Vida. We always have a, a Spanish speaking to deliver the message and a prayer in both English and Spanish. We have Chris. 
Christina Bennett, who is coming to represent Lila Rose from Live Action. This is really cool. It happened last year. Kristen Hawkins came to speak and pray and and pass cheer on the new the mm. new um, finalists because Students for Life won the Pro Life Impact Award and the fifty thousand dollar grant in twenty twenty one. So wow. Kristen came and spoke. Christina Bennett is going to come and do that for Live Action this year. Live Action won last year. Lila has a conflict the evening before that she can't get to Dallas, and then Christina also has an amazing story of her mm. own and and she speaks to to the to the black community. You know, it's so targeted by Planned Parenthood. And then finally, uh, wrapping that up is is Pastor Bruce Kendrick, who is the director of life initiatives at the local Watermark Community Church here in Dallas. He is a uh, father of nine children, including several who have been adopted and fostered. So Hmm. so that's the first 45 minutes. It is prayer. It is inspiration. And then the announcement and the live presentation. We do absolutely welcome help with with giving the grants away through sponsorships. All Mm -hmm. of that is available on our website, nationalprayerluncheonforlife.org. But it truly is an invitation really for unity. It's, it's It's just to give us an opportunity once a year for all of us to do that one hour together from wh- from wherever we are right. in 12 to 1 Central Time. Great. All right. Listen, uh, Karen Garnett, I'm out of time. I got to run. Uh, Karen Garnett, I will put this up. I encourage people, uh, first of all, go and vote for these great groups and, and these great efforts, but also get uh, familiar uh, with the uh, with the organization, what Karen's doing, what her work broadly is doing, and especially the emphasis on prayer. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Karen. As always, God bless your work, and we'll look forward to getting a report afterwards. Thank you so much, Ed. And one other place is our yep. National Prayer Luncheon for Life Facebook page. So it's, oh. it's easy to share. It's Good. easy to share things from our Facebook page postings. But voting is on the website. So thank Perfect. you again. All right. Karen Garnett, everybody, we will take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. And now from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. Conservatives have long argued that teachers who prop up their students' self-esteem were doing the wrong thing. Despite our warnings, public school students have received a steady diet of unearned praise for years, all in the name of giving them self-esteem. Now that the self-esteem generation is crowding into the workforce, employers and educators are seeing the dark side of all that empty praise. A growing body of research indicates that too much unearned praise interferes with learning. More and more teachers are now being trained to eliminate empty praise in favor of language that encourages hard work and persistence. Some schools have embraced a new approach to student affirmation that is based on psychological studies and brain imaging. Rather than being told how good they are, students are instead praised for hard work and persistence. Studies show that children who are rewarded for working hard are more likely to enjoy challenges and achieve success. It's also been shown that children do better when they are taught that their intellect is something that grows and develops, not a predetermined birthright. It's now pretty clear that praising children for being smart can be just as harmful as offering praise for its own sake. Numerous studies show that children who are rewarded for their intelligence become hesitant to take on difficult assignments. The education expert, Dr. Chester Finn, now says that praise should be connected to objective standards. He said, winning or losing really matters in the real world. You either beat the enemy 
or you don't. We've become so obsessed with making kids feel good about themselves that we've lost sight of building the skills they need to actually be good at anything. Students should not be showered with empty praise. They should be praised for doing their work accurately, for getting their lessons done, for doing their math and arithmetic correctly. That's the way to help kids get ahead. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. If you're busy taking notes, you can stop now because these commentaries in written form and spoken audio are archived on the website phyllisschlafly.com many recorded by Mrs. Schlafly herself. If you're doing research or missed a day, just go to phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening and re-listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Hey, we're just finishing up. We've got a couple of minutes. Uh, let me underscore for you... Um, Karen Garnett, our friend at the National Prayer Luncheon for Life, uh, we just had a great conversation with her. Um, I'm going to, uh, I'm, I was texting someone about that and they didn't quite understand it. Here's the deal. There are six finalists for a big grant, a prize of money. And if you go to nationalprayerluncheonforlife.org, you can vote. You can look at these six finalists, these efforts, pro-life efforts, and you can select which one you want to. And whoever gets the most votes will win the award and get a prize. And, and the prize is cash money to do their work. So it's worth doing. So go to nationalprayerluncheonforlife.org, nationalprayerluncheonforlife.org, participate by signing up and uh, voting and uh, you won't regret it it's a great effort it's a great group it's important people karen garnett is wonderful so uh, please do that and please participate that way because it is well worth your time well worth your effort and it's an important thing so do that um and again it's national prayer luncheon for life.org uh, all right. Thank you, as always, to the great Noah Dingley, our producer, uh, Ryan Height for our associate producing. Thank you to our great guests, and uh, especially thank you for listening. Visit ProAmericaReport.com to sign up there for our daily email, The Daily Wink, and we'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro America Report on The Answer San Diego.